Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I came across a list of uh, athletes who have lost their riches this past week. Athletes who, just a couple years after retiring, were either in bankruptcy or in financial stress because of poor decisions they had made with their finances. I also saw another article of the, the 10 poorest financial decisions made by top athletes. Most of them had to do with articles of jewelry. Just a heads up, if you start making tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars as a top athlete, don't go out and buy an enormous gold chain with your initials on it um, for a million dollars or two million dollars. That, that's at the top of the list of bad decisions that these athletes have made. Um, the resale value is just difficult, you know, unless you have common initials uh, that other people, mine, SW, probably wouldn't be too wise. And these athletes, I, I look at them and I think, you know what, if I was rich, I'd do it better. Do you? If I had made $10 million playing football, or $50 million playing football, or let's get really crazy and greedy, $100 million playing football. And let's say on the side, I had endorsement deals as well. Like, you know, this evening when we watch Peyton play, well, he won't play, but we'll watch him because he'll be driving Buicks and, and hitting a, bio, a bobble doll head and he'll be selling us things, even though he's not playing. He'll still be pocketing millions of dollars while his backup, who is making just a measly $986,000 finishing out his rookie contract, will be out there in the cold facing off with the New England Patriots. But I haven't think to myself, if, if I had all of that wealth, there's no way I would be broke. There's no way I could ruin my life with all of that money. Don't you think that? This is an interactive part right here. <laughs> you didn't have a turkey breakfast, did you? <laughs> Those little chemicals that put you to sleep. They're still coursing through our bodies. I often think if I was these wealthy folks, I would not come to financial ruin. I would do it better. I think that, and my guess is you do too. My guess is we all just look at the wealth that some people have, and we think if we were like them. You know, sometimes we play the lotto because we like this idea of getting rich quick. And by the way, lotto is just a tax on people who can't do math. I can't do math, therefore I play. No. Um, it is a tax on folks who can't do math. But anyways, we play the lottery because we want to get rich quick. And sometimes when there's a huge you know, prize available, like, I don't know, $100 million, because a million dollars, just, you know, that's it's no big deal, $100 million. Sometimes if there's $100 million, I really think about playing. 
until I start thinking about the taxes on that $100 million. But I pray about it. Do you pray about winning the lottery? Maybe your prayer sounds like my prayer about winning the lottery. Lord, if you help me win, I'll give 90% of it to the church. Because, you know, if I had $100 million to give 90% of it away, I'd still have a lot of money, even after Uncle Sam takes his portion. We all think like this. You know, just to put this in all in perspective, the richest man in the world, anybody know who that is? For a long time, I thought it was Donald Trump. It's actually Bill Gates. Do you know how envious Donald Trump is of Bill Gates? Don't you think he's envious? Because Donald is insanely competitive. I mean, the guy's a little off. And I have to think he's a little off because if he's not a little off, he's just a normal guy. For him to have already made $5 billion as just a normal person, I'm really down on myself. Because how big of a loser do I need to be to be a normal person and not have made $5 billion by now? I have to think he's a little insane. He's a little crazy to have made $5 billion. You either have to be a little insane or a little crazy to make $5 billion, or you have to make a product that takes over the world, like Windows, like Bill Gates, who's worth $80 billion. Now, how do you feel Donald feels about that gap between $80 billion and $4 billion? You know, we can't even think in billions. Do you know the gap between a person with $4 billion and $80 billion is bigger than the gap between a person who has $0 billion and $4 billion? It's a bigger gap. It's enormous. It's a huge gap. And I can just imagine the conversations that Gates and Trump have. You know, Gates is like the only guy in the world that can, can look down at Trump. You know, that condescending look. <laughs> Trump. I remember when I only had $4 billion. I was anxious about where the next billion would come from. Take some advice from me, Trump. I didn't put my name on everything I sell. I didn't call it Gatesware or Gatesoft. But you go around, it's Trump Tower and Trump this and Trump that. How about calling it Microsoft? <laughs> oh, that's me. You know, I mean, I can just imagine this discussion and you can just picture that Donald is mad because he's the Donald. Who refers to themselves in the third person? I guess if you have $4 billion, you can do whatever you want. Unless you meet somebody who's got $80 billion, who can really do whatever they want. Now, when you hear these numbers, $4 billion, $80 billion, doesn't part of you think, how can I get into their will? Because if you could just get a tiny sliver, right? If you could just get a tiny sliver of $80 billion or a tiny sliver of $4 billion. I mean, what's a tenth of that? It's enormous still. What's a twentieth of that? It's gigantic. 
I mean, we are talking in such big numbers with so many zeros behind it that we can't even think about it. And all of us think that if I had that kind of money, I'd be happier. If I had that kind of money, I could be generous. If I had that kind of money, I would do rich well. Well, today we're starting this Advent conspiracy stuff, and I just want to help us have a Sunday of gratitude today. Because Thanksgiving just happened, and perhaps you had a good Thanksgiving. Hopefully nobody got salmonella poisoning. I read an article where you had to handle the turkey like kryptonite, raw turkey. So hopefully nobody got sick and everybody's doing fine. At least you're here. And we had an opportunity to get together with friends, with family, eat a whole bunch, have more leftover. And I hope and pray that you really, truly do feel grateful. But in case you're stewing and you're sitting there and you're fretting and going, ah, how come I don't have $4 billion like Donald Trump or $80 billion like Bill Gates? I want to help give us all some perspective on what we have. You see, one of the things that happens with humans is that we are insanely competitive. You don't believe me? Go on YouTube and look up Black Friday. If you have not had the pleasure of perusing videos caught on smartphones of people going crazy on Black Friday, you can kill a good couple of hours this afternoon. And you can thank yourself for not going out into the masses of craziness. There's actually a website that's called blackfridaydeaths.com. It's tracking the number of people who have been trampled to death. I think it's up to seven in Black Fridays. And the amount of people who have been injured in Black Fridays. And I watched this video. It was just a crowd of people who trampled a man making their way into Target because they could save 50% on a flat screen television. And I saw a woman yank a waffle iron that was going for two bucks out of the hands of a little child who was carrying it for their mother. I watched people get into a fist fight over a flat screen TV. And I kept thinking to myself, self, our country does not do rich well. It'd be interesting to look on YouTube and try to find fistfight breaks out in hunger food line as rice is being handed out to desperate families in need. Fistfight breaks out in Syrian refugee camp because there's not enough clean water or food or clothing or adequate shelter. But no, we live in a country where we get in fights over $2 waffle irons because it's 80% off. What I want us to do is to be thankful, to be grateful. I want you to spend some time reflecting on the good news that you are rich. I want you to say that with me right now. I am rich. Now, before you do, 
I know many of you are not going to believe these words that come out of your mouth. But I want you to say them in a moment because I want to spend some time convincing you that you are rich, that you don't need $4 billion to be rich, though that's very rich, or $80 billion to be rich, though that's very rich. I am going to spend some time convincing you that you are rich. So to begin that process, I want you to say, I am rich. Ready? I am rich. I don't know if I believe you, so let me help you out here. We live in the richest nation during its richest time. Yesterday, I was reminiscing with my kid brother, and we were remembering how difficult our lives were in the 70s and 80s. I mean, come on, right? Those of you who were born in the 70s and 80s, you remember rotary dial phones. And those of you who don't know what those are, you can go to a museum and see them. We remember, I remember the very first time that we bought a VCR. Do you remember those things? If you don't remember what it was, it was that thing that flashed the time on it because you didn't know how to program it. It said 12. And if they came and you had died, they would put the time of death noon or midnight. One or the other. That was a VCR. And I remember the first VCR we got. And I remember thinking, who is going to sit around watching movies at their house? You don't watch movies at home. I mean, you do. You watch those old westerns that John Wayne's in that come on with like 30 commercial interruptions and goes on this hour and a half movie for three hours. I mean, that happens. I understand that. But who is going to sit around and watch a movie at their house? And do you remember the first movie that came out in VHS and Betamax format? Do you remember the first movie? I believe it was Top Gun. Top Gun was one of the first movies that was released And I remember that when it was first released, it was like $80 to purchase Top Gun VHS. And I thought, who is crazy enough to do this? Now, if you have $4 billion, you can spend. That's like walking around chump chains change. Like I'm the person that finds $20 in his pant pocket when he puts his jeans back on, and it changes my plans, you know? Do you know how much money Bill Gates has to find in his jacket to change his plans? Do you know what the equivalent of $20 is for Bill Gates? It's like $20 million. And he'd be hanging his jacket. Why does this thing, why do I keep having to get the forklift to put my jacket up with my walking around money in it? I remember, and my brother and I were sitting around, we were remembering when we got a microwave and we could get home from school and we could put a hot dog in there and like 60 seconds later be eating a hot hot dog and if you went longer it'd blow up and it's a lot of fun and entertaining wasn't edible but it was fun i remember when we got a a a, We didn't have air conditioning at my house. Most folks in Denver didn't have air conditioning growing up. And I remember when we got this, like, 
swamp coolery thing for our house. That was significant. It was a big deal. I remember when my dad bought the brand new 1972 Cutlass Oldsmobile. And then he gave it to me when I turned 18. But I didn't turn 18 for another 17 years. I remember when we actually got our third car. I remember when my parents moved into a home that had three car garage. I remember all of these things. My brother and I, we were just sitting around. We were commiserating together because our, our lives as, as lower to middle, middle class people were pretty rough back in the 70s and early 80s. But today, I mean, don't get me started on the children of today. I mean, you can't even have Thanksgiving dinner without confiscating everybody's smartphones and tablets and all their little touch devices and turning the television off and putting away Pandora, not the box, just the radio thing. All the gizmos and gidgets and stuff that we have and widgets that we bring into our lives. All these things. And it's fascinating. And I'm, I feel like a pretty young 46-year-old. All the changes in my lifetime, all the conveniences and all of the, the things that make life easier. And, and not only do they make life easier, they've moved into the category of necessities. They used to be wants. Actually, before they were wants, they were luxuries. And then the price started coming down on them, and then they became wants. Yeah, I think we can afford a $100 VCR this year at Christmas time. And then they became necessities. You don't have a VCR? <laughs> What's wrong with you people? And then they became obsolete. And this is the crazy cycle of all these things. But remember, we're focusing on feeling gratitude right now. We're focusing on the good news. And so some of the good news I want to, to share with you is just how wealthy you are. Think about it. If you can read, you're wealthy. You're better off than 65, 70% of the world's population who can't read. Not only that, if you can just find the leisure time to read, you have the time available to spend kicking back and reading the paper, a magazine, a book, a website. You're wealthy. We live in a country that's work structure is based on a five-day work week. Now, I know that's not true for everybody here. But it's based on a five-day work week. That means working five days, you can get enough stuff, food, shelter for seven days. Because you took two of them off. That means you have extra from the five days that you worked. And the vast majority of people in human history have not worked in that way. The vast majority of people in human history have worked seven days. And they've worked those seven days stressing out, worrying, wondering, am I going to have enough food 
for me and the kids. Not only this, we live in a society that many families send one or two people out to earn the money. Our kids stay home. I heard this recent uh, podcast on economics, and the question was, why do we keep having children? Because back in the day, and some of you grew up in homes like this, you were a commodity. You got stuff done for the family. You contributed to the bottom line, to the productivity in the family. My grandfather lived in a family like this. He was the oldest of 13 children. Why did they have so many kids? They weren't Catholic. Because they needed hired men, farmhands. And the cheapest hired men and farmhands were the ones you could make yourself. Provide them room and board and wake them up when you want, put them to bed when you want, tell them what to do. And this article was wrestling with, when did children be something that was valued just for value's sake and not for the economics? There's a time in history, honestly, when children were seen as a commodity. It was just something that we had to help us get things done. There was a, there was a benefit to children. Nowadays, people wonder, should ki- children pay their parents back for raising them? If you have children who can sit at home and not go to work, and place hot dogs in the microwave and eat them or blow them up. Sit around and play video games and not have to get a job. You're wealthy. You're rich. Because the vast majority of families in this world don't have that luxury. In fact, if you make $32,000 a year or more, $32,000 a year or more. I have a graphic that shows this. If you make $32,000 a year or more, you are on the top 1.03% of the earners in the world. In the world, okay? You always hear about the 1%, and that's America, and that's the 4 billion guy and the 80 billion guy, and we're all mad at them, and we want to have them pay their fair share. But if the world was to have an Occupy America rally because the one percenters weren't paying their fair share and they were being mean and evil and hoarding, there would be, there's currently 7,125,000,000 people on planet Earth, estimated, because we haven't counted for a while. It's hard to count that high. You're in the 1% if you make $32,000 or more a year. That means you are the 61 millionth 61.9 millionth wealthiest person in the world. Congratulations. That means that 7 billion people are poorer than you. And you might be thinking, this is rigged. He's a preacher. They make up lies and stuff to to irritate us all the time. And, And TV preachers are worse, so at least he's not on TV. But this guy is still pushing it. This is from a secular website. It's called The Rich List, The Global Rich List. And you can go and find it, and today you can enter in your salary. 
And this number, I just arbitrarily picked it. I was trying to get what is 1%. <laughs> and 32000 is about double the minimum wage in our country hourly. $16.67 an hour. And if you earn that much, you are in the top 1% of earners in the world. And you might be thinking, these are skewed. This is odd. This is strange. How could it be that low of a number put you in that small of a group? Well, the way it works is because when it's 7 billion people and there's that many zeros, and where half of them, 3.5 billion of them, live on $2 a day or less, then math gets really weird at that point. And a number like 32,000 becomes a very high percentage number of wage earners. If you make 1%, or excuse me, $32,000 or more, you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. Now, I don't want to minimize our first world problems. But I want us to remember that they're first world problems. I don't want to minimize our rich people problems, but I want you to remember that they're rich people problems. If you don't get good cell phone coverage, if your computer crashes, if you've got car trouble, if your water tastes a little weird sometimes because the filter is, a, is done, if you're trying, struggling with where to go on vacation, if you have slow internet, if the cable goes out, if your flight's delayed, if it takes you an hour and a half to find the nearest McDonald's, these are all rich people problems. We need to remind ourselves that this is the case. You see, sometimes when we live in Disneyland, we have to wait in line for rides. Ugh. We have to pay 20 bucks for a Monte Cristo sandwich. <laughs> we feel a little put out. We feel a little angry. We feel a little trampled on. We feel a little taken advantage. But we must remember that these are rich people problems. You see, the good news for you and I today is our phrase. Everybody say it with me. I'm rich. That's the good news. You see, compared to the rest of the world, you and I are filthy, stinking rich. Compared to the rest of the world, we're rich. And see, that's oftentimes our problem, isn't it? We compare ourselves with the wrong group. We compare ourselves to the $4 billion guy. Or the $80 billion guy. One thing that's really interesting, rich is a moving target, how we define it. Did you know that they have actually polled people that make $32,000 a year? And did you know what they said would be what would put them as a wealthy person, the number? The number they gave was $70,000. So then they thought, hey, let's go ask somebody who makes $70,000 if they're wealthy. And if they're not how much they need to make to be wealthy. So they went to the $70,000 guy, and they said, are you wealthy? Are you rich? Oh, no, we're not rich. Well, what would it take for you to be rich? Oh, probably about $150,000 a year. 
So then they decided, hey, let's go ask the $150,000 a year guy. Are you rich? Oh, no, I'm definitely not rich. What would it take for you to be rich? Probably about $300,000 a year. Money Magazine went to millionaires, people who have a lot of zero behind that one. And they asked those folks, they asked people who had $5 million, are you rich? And the people with $5 million, oh no, I'm not rich. Money Magazine. And the people who said, no, I'm not rich with $5 million, do you know what number they came back saying if they had that number, they'd be rich? If you know anything of math, you see the pattern developing here. They said, say it with me, $10 million. Now, nobody has had the guts to ask a $10 million person if they're rich. But my guess is the $10 million person would say, no, I'm not rich. Remember when you could buy a man for $10 million? Actually, it was six. But inflation, he's probably more like 10. If you ask the 10 million, it's 20. If you ask Donald Trump, are you rich? I need 8 billion. Gates, you rich? Uh, I need 160 billion. You see, the problem with the definition of rich is that it is a moving target. And there was a time in your life, and there are kids in this room, there are high schoolers in this room that are going, if I could make $32,000 a year, I'd be rich. And there was a time that many of you sitting here thought, if I could make $30,000 a year, I'd be rich. And then you made it. And then you thought, if I could make sixty, I'd be rich. And then you made that. And you thought, if I could make a little bit more, I'd be rich. There's this verse in the scriptures. And it's in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to spend a little bit of time on this passage. Not today, because you're all freaking out. And it's like, man, it's 11 o'clock, and I've got the turkey hangover still. And I just want to leave sort of happy. I'm feeling a tad guilty, but I want to leave a little happy. There's this passage in 1 Timothy 6, and it says this. Command. What is a command? If you're in the military, you know what a command is. Right, Cole? If you've read the Ten Commandments, you know what a command is. If you know anything about the book of 1 Timothy, you know that it was apostle, the Apostle Paul, an early follower of Jesus, who was giving marching orders to a younger pastor. And his instructions to this younger pastor was this, command people. Which people? So if I, if I come off a little gruff, I'm sorry, just reading the Bible. Command those who are rich. Oh, bummer, he tricked us because earlier he had to say, I am rich. Now you're not wanting to say that so much, are you? Now you're not wanting to say that so much because now you're hearing that the Bible commands pastors to command the rich people What? And by the way, how's the, what's the definition of rich people? In the present world. Did you know I've read this, this passage over and over and over and over and over again? And growing up, and every single time I read it, I'm like, ah, oh, that doesn't apply to me. I'm not rich. Why? Because when you make 30000 you ain't rich. When you make 60000 you ain't rich. 
When you make a million, you ain't rich. Why? Because you're always thinking there's somebody else out there that's richer than me. So I was always off the hook with this because I always thought, nope, that's for the rich guy. I didn't read my Bible very closely. It says rich in this present world. And it was super irritating when I found the globalrichlist.com online and I entered in what I make and I found out that I am rich, stinking, crazy, absurd, rich in this present world. And I read this text differently. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our... This is why it's good news, people, because if you're rich, it is there for what? Your enjoyment. And that's good news because if you're like me, you like being rich and you'd like to be a little more. And you like what it gets you. You like to have turkey and leftovers. You like to have a warm home where you don't have to pay the man to build the fire before you get up in the morning because you have this electronic device on the wall that automatically does it for you. You like having hot and cold running water available with the flick of the wrist. You like having electricity where you can walk into a room and you just go, and the lights magically come on. You don't have to light a candle. You don't have to fumble around in the dark. It's all for your enjoyment. And those are just basic everyday experiences. I haven't even gone into like travel or things we like to do for fun, walking around in the freezing cold with a shotgun in our hands trying to find a pheasant, four-wheel driving in that recreational vehicle, camping, roughing it on purpose to amuse ourselves. I'm going to go rough it. What does that mean? I'm going to go live like the rest of the world tonight. (laughs) Well, not quite. I've got a better sleeping bag than them. You see, we are wealthy, and it's for our enjoyment, and with that, you should be glad. You should be thankful. You should thank God. Your heart should just swell with, what did it say? Don't be arrogant. Your heart should swell Not with pride, but with gratitude. Why? Because it came from God. It all came from Him. Before you argue with me on that, because I know some of you are. No, he didn't give me nothing. I pulled myself up on my own bootstraps. I worked really hard for this. You don't know how many people that I've had to be nice to or whatever, manipulate so I could be this way that I am. Who gave you your health, your brain, your family, your position in life, 
the fact you were born here instead of someplace else. Who gave that to you? It's all from him. And this says, don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth. Now in closing, real quick, because some of you are like, man, just get me out of here. Me included. I've said it before, I'll say it again. What's worse news? All the money's gone in the bank? Or God doesn't exist? What would be worse news to you? We're broke, we're bankrupt, everything we had is gone. The repo man came and took all the cars. The sheriff showed up and he's kicking us out the house. The auctioneer is standing on the lawn and all the stuff is being auctioned off. Or perhaps it's quicker than that. Or tornado, a flood, a fire, an earthquake. Which is worse news? That all of it is gone? Or there is no God? Now depending on how you answer that, is what you really think about that a command. Do you place your hope in money, in things, in bank accounts, in possessions, or is it in God? Now, if you're like me, you're probably a tad conflicted in the answer of that. When we're more honest, and we should be honest, we are probably rather conflicted with that answer. And the reason I know I'm conflicted is because of my prayers, what comes out of my mouth when I address God. How my brain thinks when I, if I lose it all, I'm like, well, of course I want God still because he'll give it all back. Right? That's how I think. And then I wonder, am I putting my hope in God or in wealth? We're going to spend just next Sunday reflecting on this. And if you think, oh, I don't have the guts or the energy for that, stay home. We won't hold it against you. You can come back next week when we start talking about angels and babies and goodwill toward men and stuff. But if you have the religious courage to show up next week, and to wrestle through the bad news part of this. What it means to be rich in this present world and what the commands are for us. I encourage you, I invite you, I challenge you to come next week. And we will wrestle with that. And not only that, let me encourage you to wrestle with it all this week long. Yourself. Be grateful, enjoy it, but wrestle. What does God expect of me? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I am so clueless sometimes. I ask for you to forgive me. When I look at myself and I feel sorry because I have what I have in comparison to somebody else who has a little bit more, 
Forgive me when I get worried about how am I going to get this or that or take care of this or what if this happens or what if this breaks down. Forgive me when I worry about material stuff. Father, thank you that you meet my conflicted, goofy heart there. And you know what's going on. And Lord, I pray that you would give me and each of us a heart of, gra- of gratitude. That we would be grateful and thank you for our lot in life and what you have blessed us with. And we would pass that on to the next generation of Christians. That that would be their inheritance above and beyond anything we can give them materially. That they would receive gratitude from us. Father, we do pray that this next week as we wrestle through how wealthy we are, that you would lead us and guide us. That you'd help us to see your good and perfect gifts that you bring to us and how we can best use those and leverage those for our enjoyment and for your kingdom. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May you enjoy every good and perfect gift from God. And may you consider being extravagantly generous because God has been extravagantly generous to you. Amen.